What popular American TV show broadcast the first interracial kiss? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and we know some early presidents were slave owners, but what president was secretly buying slaves while in the White House? Oh, well, that's that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and have some perspective on life. Well, that was an interesting question. It is. Think about it now. This is a very popular show. You know the show. Oh, really? Okay. What popular American TV show broadcast the first interracial kiss? This was between a white male and a black woman. Nat King Cole and Dinah Shore exchanged a kiss on television in the 50s. That's what I thought was the first interracial Did they, but kiss. But didn't they just, they weren't locking lips. They no, just no, sort it of was buzz, just a peck you know. on the cheek, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a regular kiss. Oh. I'll, I'll give you the year. Wait a minute, I bet it was all in the family. That would have been my guess. Okay, that's not in. No. That's right, Sammy Davis Jr. kissed Archie Bunker on yeah. All in the Family. <laughs> what year, when was that? You that remember? was in the 70s. Uh, okay, this is before that. The year is 1968. Was that the TV show Julia? No, I would have guessed that too. <laughs> that was also a, a, with the first black female lead. Yes, uh-huh. yes, it was. And okay, it was, what was okay. show was it? Okay, Bob, it was Star Trek. Really? And it was a kiss between Captain Kirk and Lieutenant U H U R A. Uhura, yes. Yeah, she was a lieutenant. And she was always the one running the boards. But anyway, this is interesting. It was on one of the episodes in 1968. Producers of the show were worried about some stations, how they'd react to the whole thing. Yeah. So they wanted to film a second version in which the kiss happened off screen. So you didn't see it. Uh Uh-huh. But actors William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols deliberately flubbed their lines to force them to use the original take. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah, so they took it upon themselves. They're going to they're gonna show this, yeah. and we're going to use it. And that's how they did it. I thought that was very cool. And the year again for that was 68. 1968. Big year for a lot of things that year. Yeah. Mine's a historic question, but it's related to African-Americans as well. Oh, okay. Now, we know some early presidents were slave owners. We know George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and some of those folks, right? Yeah. But what president was secretly buying people, most of them children, while in the White House? Jeez Louise. Yes, sounds disgusting. We know it wasn't John Adams. uh, Because John Adams was was against slavery. He was just busy with his own, you know. Um, I don't know. Well, unfortunately, it was the man for whom the street we live on was named. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the mediocre presidents. James K. Polk, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he bought 19 people while acting as president. 13 of those were children. He wanted them young and effective and cheap. The source for this is Lena Mann, a historian at the White House Historical Association. She says that James Polk concealed his purchases of the enslaved children and young adults. He sent them to work on his Mississippi cotton plantation while he lived at the White House between 1845 and 1849. And uh, he had surrogates buy slaves for his plantation. He didn't want people to know he was doing that. Wow. 
Oh, just another name, just another good reason to rename the cul-de-sac, huh? Yeah. The... Cul-de-sac is a good term for a president like that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dead end. All okay. right. Yeah, James K. Polk. He was one of at least a dozen presidents who owned enslaved people. Eight of them served before him, but he was the only president who apparently purchased slaves while president. By the time he became president, most politicians were saying they inherited the slaves or they owned them because it was part of their wife's dowry, but it wasn't their responsibility. <laughs> so that's why he kept it a secret. So he was, uh, But he was actually buying people wow. while he was in the White House. Wow. Okay. So I have two more quick uh, kissing questions. Oh, kissing questions <laughs> yes. today. Yes. Well, this, these were interesting, I thought. Can kissing boost your immune system? I never thought of that. Well, maybe it can because you're exchanging bacteria with somebody else. Indeed. And you become immune or you're becoming more used to that. That's exactly right. While <laughs> mononucleosis, a.k.a. the kissing disease, is only one of several conditions you can catch from a kiss, in most cases, swapping spit boosts your immunity. <laughs> When you smooch someone, so awful. when you smooch someone new, and we haven't done that in quite a while, have we, Bob? What? Uh, no, you, no. You exchange tens of millions of microbes. Long-term partners share a common microbe mix from all their years of lip smacking. These exchanges help protect us against infections and maybe allergies. So if you think you and your spouse have nothing in common, yep. you're wrong. You got microbes there, baby. <laughs> Okay, that's great. That's fascinating. Okay, Marcia, if necessity is the mother of invention, why was the first clock invented? Ever wonder about this? Why was the first clock invented? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, somebody <laughs> wanted to track time for some reason. What reason? It wasn't for the trains, because that came a long time after. This goes way back to the Greeks. Yeah, I would say this was way back. Um, I don't know. Uh we should have a set time every day to start the orgies. And let's. No, no, that no. had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Not that I know of, but. Uh, okay, one of the first clocks was invented by a Greek mathematician. It was a water clock invented during the reign of Alexander the Great. The reign? <laughs> Why was the clock invented, the first clock? To limit the time a lawyer could speak in court. Well, see, now that. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect sense. <laughs> I like it. it. It could hold true for, you know, in the Congress or wherever else. That's... Now, you said you had another kissing question. I have another clock question. All right. So, okay. How did Leonardo da Vinci's alarm clock wake him up? Leonardo da Vinci, oh, one of the great polymaths yeah. of history. Oh, my God. He was amazing. Well. It what? didn't ring a bell. No. but <laughs> It raised his feet. It did? Yeah. He invented a water clock in which a thin stream of water flowed from one receptacle to another. And when the second container was full, a system of gears and levers raised his feet into the air. And that's when he knew it was time to wake up. It's oh, like, I love it. So the first clock was invented to keep lawyers from talking too long. <laughs> and, Leonardo, that's priceless. And, and Leonardo da Vinci's alarm clock raised his feet to wake him up. <laughs> All right. Last kissing question. Oh. <laughs> Where did the French, of all people, outlaw kissing? Where did they outlaw kissing? Yeah, yeah. They outlawed kissing in one place. Yeah. Would it be in hospitals? Nope. Okay, I'm thinking of health purposes. Okay, where would they in in church? Nope. You can't kiss in church. Nope. No? Okay, well, where? Good guesses, though. Public displays of affection can get you in trouble in some places. They're illegal in Dubai. Did you know that? And frowned upon in China. Even the French 
outlawed smooching on train platforms to prevent amorous passengers from delaying train departures. <laughs> There's always a reason for a law. So somebody must have kept a train from starting it on did, time. It did, yeah. So they banned it. And uh, the lip laws go all the way back in centuries to uh, King Henry VI. And he banned all kissing in 1439 to stop the spread of the bubonic plague. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so uh, between uh, the plague and... Uh, Late trains, but they did it twice, banned Hmm. kissing. That's good. Yeah. Very interesting. That's all. Okay, I have a question about a word, the origin of this word. What does the word llama mean? The word llama. Okay. Is it hat and gloves? Think of llamas. They're pretty (laughs) quiet, aren't they? Yeah. They're stoic, quiet. Tall, regal. I don't know about The word llama means Buddhist monk. Really? Yeah. So oh, now, my Dalai Lama. Well, that's my next question. What does Dalai Lama mean? Oh, Dalai if, Lama. If, if Lama, Lama means, means monk. monk. High, holy, holy monk, highest monk, uh, Dalai, the highest. In Tibetan, Dalai Lama means ocean monk. Really? The spiritual head of that religion is said to possess an ocean of compassion. So ocean monk, that's the meaning wow. of the title. Wow. He has an ocean of compassion, the Dalai Lama. And he really does. Yes, yes. You'll, you'll like this. It's okay. a Bob question. What is the legal origin of grandfather clause? Hmm, the legal origin of the term grandfather clause. And that's where you take something that already exists, you're going to ban it or make illegal the activity, but for this group of people or this circumstance, it stays the same. Yeah. You grandfather something in. Yeah, because it existed before. Okay. I don't know. The term grandfather clause means something is exempt if in practice before a new law forbids it. Yes. In legal terms. And it comes from a legal trick used by southern states to keep former slaves from voting. A law was introduced requiring the passing of a literacy test before anyone, black or white, could vote. The only exemptions were people whose grandfathers had voted prior to the new law. What? This gave all whites the right to vote, and virtually all blacks were disqualified. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that's how it started. That's the grandfather clause. Well, came so into if your being. grandfather could vote, you don't have uh, to pass a test. Right. Oh, that. How grand that was. <laughs> Holy cow, that's amazing. So that was a Jim Crow law. Yeah. So grandfathering something in as a result of the Jim Crow era. Okay, here's a good question. What type of publication published the first scientific accounts of the Wright brothers' flight? Now, this was a great moment in science because it was applied science. Yeah, but what magazine? Or yeah, what? what publication published the first account? Oh, I'll say it was something like Collier's or um, some woman's magazine. Well, uh, that would actually be good. Yeah. But uh, now. It wasn't, it was like a. Because Scientific American rejected the story. Really? The man who wrote it, A.I. Root of Medina, Ohio, he was a beekeeper. Oh, is in a bee magazine. So he published <laughs> it in a bee magazine, well, Gleanings in Bee Culture. Well, I could have guessed all day on this one. Bob. Isn't that funny? Yeah, he realized the significance of the flight the brothers made. He read a brief story about them in the Dayton, Ohio newspaper, so he submitted a story scientifically written to Scientific American. Yeah, rejected it. Wow. So he sent it to his uh, beekeepers magazine, Gleanings in Bee Culture, and that published it exclusively. And that was the first scientific story on the Wright brothers' plane flight. 
That's funny. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Why do so many Scottish and Irish names begin with Mac, as in MacDonald, or with O's, as in O'Connor? You know, I always wondered about that. What is the answer to that? Well, in Gaelic, the prefix Mac means son, while O means grandson or descendant. I had no idea. Both were used to keep track of the true bloodline. MacDonald means the son of Donald, while O'Connor means the grandson or descendant of Connor. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Very good. Now, Marcia, the last time we did a show, you solicited. You said any rampers listening <laughs> could submit a question. And guess what? One of our rampers did. <laughs> okay. This is a question from our listener, Rob Fredrickson of the Milwaukee area. Our first responder. Okay. First responder. <laughs> there we go. Rob, you're a first responder. He says, this is something you can ask Marcia if you so choose. It's not too hard, but it's not a slam dunk either. <laughs> This is kind of a riddle, Marcia, and you like riddles. I do. Person A served as vice president. Then person A became president. Person B served as vice president under person A. Then person B became president. Who is person A? Who is person B? This actually happened twice. In real life. In history. Okay. So let me do it again. Person A served as vice president. Then person A became president. Person B served as vice president under person A. Then B became president. It's not uh, Biden and Obama. No. Goes, uh, no. No, because we're talking about two vice presidents becoming president. Yeah, okay? yeah. All right, tell me. Okay, it was John Adams oh. who served as vice president under George Washington. Uh -huh. Then he went on to become the nation's second president. Person B was Thomas Jefferson, his vice president. And then Thomas Jefferson, of course, went on to become a president. So you have three presidents in a row, two of which were vice president. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> All right, now let's go to the 20th century. This happened again. Who was person A? Who was person B? Person A served as vice president. Then A became president. Then person B served as vice president under person A. And B became president. In 20th century. This I should know, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Notorious president. Yeah, Nixon and yeah. Agnew? Well, it was Richard Nixon. He yeah. served as uh, vice president. Then Nixon later went on to become president, and he did have Agnew as his vice president. But Agnew resigned. And then who became president? Ford. Yes, who became? President. Yeah. There so, you go. I should have worked it all out. All right, Boy, so, that's a riddle. Yes, it is, isn't it? It is. All right. Well, thank you. Don't sound too enthusiastic there. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it. That's why I didn't like it. Rob says, so essentially we could think of Adams and Nixon as the protégés who became the mentors and the mentees <laughs> who also went on to become mentors. That's kind of nice. And uh, a lot of that comes from Wikipedia. Thanks, Rob. That was fun. It got, I got to stump Marsha. I love that. Yes, you do. It's so cool. Oh. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back with more of The Off-Ramp in just a moment with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. Bob, what's the difference between a spider's web and a cobweb? Well, cobweb is something that you find dust in. Oh, that's a good question. I thought they were the same thing as a spider's web, but it's got dust all over it. And so, you can see it. Yeah, and you can see it. Yeah. Well, is that of, it? Yeah, that's the answer. Dust. This is going to come a as a shock web. to a lot of people who don't realize they have spiders in their house. <laughs> I just got cobwebs. Yeah. Well, that's a spider web that's got dust, dust on it. Yeah. Bring out the dust buster. Okay. Okay. There is a historical display, unlike any other history display, 
at the Capitol Rotunda and the National Archives right now. Do you know what it is? Right now, meaning uh, February. As of February. I didn't even know these things existed. Well, then I have no idea. They are pay stubs of the slaves who built what? the U.S. Capitol and the White House. What? Yeah. Were they actual slaves? They were slaves at the time. We've been hearing stories for the past 20 years, stories most of us never heard in high school or college history courses, that the White House and the Capitol were built in large part by slaves. That might sound like an exaggeration, but the National Archives has proof. Huh. Apparently it's always had proof. And in observance of Black History Month, the archives are going to put on display the pay stubs of all those slaves. Were they making $15 an hour? I don't think so. (laughs) How did slaves become laborers on those buildings? It turns out that in 1791, Pierre L'Enfant, the designer who planned the city of Washington, he had African-American slaves clear the sites for the Capitol and what was originally called the White House. And then once they cleared the land... The Board of Commissioners tried to recruit laborers from Europe and America yeah. to, to build yeah. the buildings. Uh-huh. Guess what? They couldn't find enough? They couldn't find enough of a workforce. Why? I don't know. Well, anyway, so you're th- telling me the slaves got paid? They terms? didn't get paid. It was their owners who got paid. For five years, there were 122 names labeled Negro Hire who worked for the White House in the Capitol. And two of those were owned by the architect of the White House, two of those slaves. Again, so they didn't get any money for it. Their owners did. Their owners did. They have a 1795 promissory note to Jasper M. Jackson for hiring his slave, known as Negro Dick, who is paid for three months at $5 per month. That's $104 in today's money. Unfortunately, little else is known of the lives of these people. Most lived on shacks on the building sites where they received medical care, food, and occasionally a small incentive payment beyond what went to their masters. But slaves, the pay stubs of the slaves who built the White House and the Capitol are now on display from the National Archives. Okay. How did Valentine become the patron saint of lovers? And who is Valentine? Was he a priest? Yeah. Okay, so he became a patron saint of lovers in the way in which he married people, maybe, or he encouraged people to be married? You're on the right Encouraged romance, maybe, (laughs) something like that. In AD 270, yeah, so we're talking a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. The mad Roman emperor Claudius II outlawed marriage because he believed married men made for bad soldiers. (laughs) Well, of course, yes. They're, They're concerned about something other than fighting and killing. Yes. Ignoring the emperor, Bishop Valentine continued to marry young lovers in secret until his disobedience was discovered and he was sentenced to death. As legend has it, he fell in love with the jailer's blind daughter. Now it's getting a little weird. But, <laughs> and through a miracle, he restored her sight. On his way to execution, he left her a farewell note ending, From your valentine. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> that, now, that not that a great story? I didn't it know is. that whole story about him. Yeah, that... Uh, and yeah. that his miracle was that he restored her sight? Yeah. Wow. So that's how he became a saint. So he, you know, he took his yeah. chances. It took seriously and it took his life. It did. Wow. Yeah, so. Okay, I got a fun one here. Sometimes the things you know in your youth have more impact than anything that follows the rest of your life. Well, how was one 115-year-old woman an example of that? <laughs> Any idea? She just passed away. She did, huh? Yeah. Okay. Iris Westman. She died at the age of 115. She was asked for her impression of Donald Trump, who was campaigning for president when they interviewed her. I've heard of him, she said, but not enough to express an opinion. 
She had more to say about Warren G. Harding. <laughs> Who was president when she was in high school? Now there was a man. <laughs> he was awfully good looking. She remembered. Oh, really? Isn't oh, that my. funny? Isn't that weird? Okay. What wellness industry activity associated with physical fitness was once designed to help men stay mentally pure and celibate? Oh dear God! This is something that you've done. Many millions of people do it. Walking or running? No. Sit-ups? Well, it's got seating positions. Yoga? Yoga. Yoga has grown from a meditative practice into a global wellness industry. It's worth $25 billion now. But originally, it was strictly meditative. It had no postures. It was strictly right. for men, and it was designed to keep them mentally pure and celibate. <laughs> goes back to India, first mentioned in the Upanishads, ancient Indian texts. Those uh, started appearing about 800 B.C. in the Sanskrit language. But yoga was described as the union of the individual mind and the universal divine consciousness. And it was practiced by forest recluses, people who lived in the forest, all men who turned their back on conventional family life. Wow. They wanted no fluids to leave the body. (laughs) Isn't that strange? It is. You think yoga positions are extreme or difficult? Some can be. Okay, well... When they finally came in, the weird postures for yoga included sitting by a blazing fire in the heat of the summer or immersing yourself in frozen water in winter. Those were all original yoga positions. (laughs) The polar bear club. (laughs) So it's had a very strange life, the concept of yoga. Well, speaking of that, have you noticed COVID has been around now for the lockdown almost a year coming up in another month, right, Mm -hmm. or so? Yeah. Uh, What hasn't happened that everybody said would happen in nine months. A baby would be born. Yeah. No, it, there is no boom. Really? Yeah, yeah. They thought there would be with and the lockdown. And they're trying to figure out why. They think stress. Young people are just stressed and uh, they're not as horny as they used to get in the <laughs> snowstorms of the old days. You know? uh, is that a technical term we use on this show? <laughs> that's what I get for talking off the top of my head. Oh, okay, my moving God, on. That's what I get for agreeing to let you talk off the top of your head. <laughs> okay, Bob, where is the world's largest shopping mall? Um, I believe it is in Indonesia. Dubai. Okay. The world's largest mall in square footage. But it comes in at 12 million square feet. Wow, that's a lot of shopping. I can't even drive past the Mall of America without getting... Tired? Yeah, (laughs) just has no interest for me. But we're talking here at the Dubai Mall, 1,200 shops, an ice rink, a five-star hotel, 22 cinema screens, and 122 restaurants and cafes. Jeez. So... All right, speaking of massive, Marcia, <laughs> the Grand Canyon. Now, that's massive. Yeah. How long, how wide, and how deep is it? Oh, I should just pop this off right at the top of my head, right? Well, of course. I'll bet it's uh, at least a mile deep. It is a mile deep. That's right. Okay, now, how long and how wide? I don't know. Well, it can be as wide as 18 miles. Oh, wide. really? Yeah. Where and, is What part is that And in? it's 277 miles long. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. It's 6,000 feet deep at its deepest point. Um, and for 277 miles, it's 4,000 feet deep. So it's almost a mile deep for 277 miles. And the park doesn't include the entire canyon, but the park is massive. The National Park, Grand Canyon National Park, is larger than the state of Rhode Island. Huh. Yeah, it's 1,904 square miles. Wow. Okay. Grand Canyon Village on the Grand Canyon South Rim and the lodge on the north rim, they're 10 miles apart as the crow flies. You can see them 10 miles apart. Yeah. 
how long does it take to drive from the South Rim to the North Rim? <laughs> you know, if you could fly, it's 10 miles yeah, over there. Yeah, but if you can't, you have to drive, right? Right. Or can you go down to the bottom and drive? You can, yes, you have yeah. to go down the ground and drive all drive the way over the and way drive up. up. Okay. okay, I'll say um, five hours. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it takes five hours to travel from the lodge on the North Rim to the Grand Canyon Village on the South Rim. You have to drive through the park, over the Colorado River, and loop around the canyon. 215 miles, which is five hours of driving. Wow. Okay, now, what's the largest canyon in the solar system? Oh, well, we don't know. <laughs> the one on the moon? No, it's on Mars. Okay. Yeah, this this has just been discovered. It's called the uh, Vallis Marineris Canyon. It's 2,500 miles long, so it's roughly the distance from San Francisco to New York, and it's seven miles deep. And we now have images of this thing from the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Well, here's a quickie. Okay. Who wrote the Bible, Bob? That's a whole bunch of people. Nope. Hundreds of people. No. Nope. The answer to the question, who wrote the Bible, is, of course, Shakespeare. What? <laughs> what? The King James Version was published in 1611. Shakespeare was 46 years old then. He turned 47 later in the year. Look up Psalm 46. Count 46 words from the beginning of the psalm. You'll find the word shake. Count 46 words from the end of the psalm. You'll find the word spear. Oh, dear. It's an obvious coded message. <laughs> of course it is. Well, it's as good as any of the oh, stupid conspiracy theories going around now. Well, there were stories for years because the King James Version was written by a committee and they had somebody read the verses that they approved on to make sure they sounded good. Uh -huh. There were people have always thought, well, Shakespeare may have been part of that group because he was a known playwright, a writer. Yeah. Let's bring yeah. him in, let's, see if he can help us out. Let's bring in the copywriter, proofreader, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no evidence yeah. he ever yeah. did. Okay, I've got another Mars geography question. Okay. This is another thing that's been determined by our spacecraft orbiting Mars. Mars has the largest known volcano in the solar system. Really? It's called Olympus Mons. Okay. So keep that under your hat for you. <laughs> when we get out of all this and we can have cocktail parties again, uh -huh. that's one of the facts you can say. Well, that, that'll be, that'll draw people it to me will. like flies. They'll say, wow, how did you know that, Marcia, <laughs> that Mars has the largest canyon and the largest volcano in the solar system? Wow. <laughs> and here's something you can use to dazzle our guests, Bob. Okay. Where did the phrase rule of thumb originate? I think that had to do with a ruler, meaning a king. Yeah, no. No? Mm -mm. Okay, go ahead. It's derived from an old English law, which stated that you couldn't beat your wife with anything wider than your thumb. <laughs> Jeez. And well. there's the rule of thumb. All right, I just want to uh, say that if anybody'd like to submit a question to stump us, uh, just go to our website, which is? Theofframp.show. Go to contact us at the bottom and type in your question. Yeah, yeah. and tell yeah. us where you're from. I'll finish with a quote from Cher. All right. The woman who made singular names popular. Okay. She said, I'm older than fire and twice as hot. Oh, dear. Of course she said that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, that's great. Well, that's it for today. We're warm now, but it's time to go. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us next time when we return with more trivia here on The Off Ramp.
The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.